So for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Caleb Cabe. I'm the pastoral assistant here at Reconcile. Um, I've been married to my wife, Alina, for uh, almost three and a half years. We have a son who is almost two years old. His name is Liam. So my family loves Christmas time. I love Christmas time. It's, it, it gets to that season. It gets a little bit chillier when I like it. Um, the lights start to come up. We have the music playing, and it's just a real joyful time. You have your tree set up in your house, maybe a nativity scene, whatever you do to, to kind of celebrate and get into the mood for Christmas. And then presents start to, to come under the tree. Slowly but surely, as it gets closer to Christmas, you might see one present, two presents. And then as a kid, you just start getting real excited. Like you have this anticipation of like, oh man, I can't wait for Christmas. I can't wait to open these presents and see what I have. Am I going to like it? Is it going to be cool? Am I going to like playing with it a lot? And I feel like a lot of times as Christians, we think of our salvation in this kind of way where it's over there, it's this future thing that we have to look forward to, but not anything tangible right now. And so what I see in this passage this morning and what I'm going to share with you is that our salvation brings us blessings right now that we can open and experience right now, today. That yes, we have a future hope to look forward to, that we will be saved from our sin, we will be saved from punishment, but we also have real tangible blessings that we can open today, right now, because God has saved us. So let's pray. God, thank you that you are gracious. Thank you that you have given us your word. I pray that you would open our eyes by the Holy Spirit and that we would receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so the first thing that it says in verse 1 is, Therefore, since you have been justified by faith. Let's pause right there. What does justified mean? That's not really a word that we use in our everyday vocabulary. I know, I know when, for the longest time when I heard it, I was like, what, what, what does that even mean? Why can't you just say normal words? So let's define it. Justified, it means being declared righteous in God's court. So here's the picture. We are in God's court. God is, has the highest court in the universe. And we are declared guilty. It's on, it's on video. Everyone knows we're guilty. We know we're guilty. The judge knows we're guilty. Everyone knows. There's no case. But Jesus, who is the judge, chooses to bear the consequences of our guilt on himself. He came to the earth and he died on the cross to bear the consequences of our sin so that we don't have to pay that. And he not only bore the consequences, but he actually gave us something as well. When he was on the earth, the father looked down at the son. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus gave us that righteousness. So that when God looks at us, he not only doesn't give us the consequences that our sin deserves, but he also looks at us and says, this is my son or this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Because Jesus gives us his righteousness when he rose from the dead. 
And Jesus bore our shame. When he was on the cross, people walked past Jesus and they they mocked him. They laughed at him. They made fun of him. They thought to themselves, wow, he must be a really evil person to be suffering this kind of a death. That shame that we deserved for our sin, Jesus bore on himself on the cross. And then he gave us something in return. He gave us his honor. The honor that Jesus was owed because of his faithfulness to God through his life, he gives us that same honor so that when Jesus, when God the Father looks at us, he would say, this is my daughter, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And we receive honor instead of shame. Look, justification is not simply a restart. It's not simply a second chance because we would have messed it up again. It's a substitution. It's saying Jesus has a perfect record. We have a terrible record. Jesus paid the consequences for our bad, for our evil, for our sin, and he gave us his righteousness instead. And we are clothed in his righteousness instead of the shame that we were wearing before. And though, even even though when we get saved, we're still tempted and we will still often sin even after we believe in Jesus, we know that no matter what, God looks on us with the same delight that he looks on Jesus with. The same delight that said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's how God the Father looks at us. Because we have been justified, not by our works, not by the things that we've done, not by obeying the law perfectly, but by faith in Jesus who did fulfill the law perfectly and gave us his record. And this is the good news of our salvation. This is what it means to be justified. But it has real beautiful benefits for today that we can lean into, that we can experience It's not just a future hope. We have things today that we can receive. So let's see what they are. The first thing can be found in verse 1. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first tangible blessing that we receive because of our justification, because we have been declared right, is that we have peace with God. Think about our, our state before we were saved. Before we were, sta- before we were saved, we were actively warring against God and his kingdom. We were disrespecting God's creation, which is ultimately a disrespect to God himself. Think about it. If you're up in my house, breaking my stuff, tearing up my house, yeah, you're not physically hurting me, But it's a disrespect to me that you're up in my house messing with my stuff. God has created the universe. And when we disrespect his creation, it's a disrespect to him. When we disrespect God's design, the way that he intended the world to be, it's a disrespect to God as well. And God isn't some random person or random being. He is the ultimate king of the universe. He's the king over all kings. He has all authority. So our our disrespect is not simply just disrespect, but it is a rebellion 
against the king of the universe, and therefore it is an act of war against God himself. And so we were actively warring against God, and we didn't have peace with him. And this is what a lack of peace feels like. We're constantly asking, are we cool? Like, are we okay? Does God like me? Does he hate me? Is he mad at me? Am I, am I about to get destroyed by him because of what I've done? That's what lack of peace with God looks like. But God's response to our sin, to our rebellion, is sending Jesus. Jesus experienced our lack of peace with God so that we could experience real and true peace with God. Up until Jesus was on the cross, he had, he had experienced perfect peace with God the Father through all eternity past. Like they had had a perfect, loving relationship. They were perfectly satisfied in themselves forever past. And then somehow, in some way, when Jesus was on the cross, he experienced the full wrath of the Father. He went from experiencing peace, satisfaction, perfect love, to experiencing the wrath of the Father that our sins deserved. This is why Jesus, when he's on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was so that we could experience peace with God now, today, in our lives. A real, tangible peace with God that we no longer have to say, God, are we cool? Are you okay with me? Do you accept me the way I am? Because Jesus died on the cross. God the Father can look at us the same way he looked at Jesus. This is my son. This is my daughter with whom I am well pleased. We have peace with God, and this has tangible effects on our lives today. And because it's a gift, because we didn't earn it, because we didn't do anything to receive it, we don't have to worry about losing it. How did we receive this peace? It was not by us doing things. It wasn't by us obeying a certain, uh, certain list of laws. If, if our peace with God was based on our accomplishments, we would never have hope for it. There's no way we would have peace with God if it was up to us. But the good news is that it's not based on us. It's based on Jesus. It's a definitive thing. You have peace with God today. And it can never be taken away because we are not the ones responsible for it. It's not mustered up by us. It's not dependent on us. Therefore, we can never lose it. It's an objective statement. Jesus on the cross is an objective statement that we have peace with God because the consequences for our sins have been paid for. It's final. It's forever. It will never be taken away. And on our worst day or on our best day, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have peace with God because of Jesus. We have been justified and therefore we have peace with God. And the second tangible blessing that we receive 
can be found in verse 2. It says, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace. So the second tangible thing, the first is that we have peace with God. The second is that we receive access to God's grace. Think about how crazy this is. We went from being enemies of God. We were warring against him. We didn't want anything to do with him. We weren't cool. And God chose to adopt us. He chose to love us and to care for us. We, we understand the, what the picture of adoption, right? We, we get a little picture of that. Adoption is freely choosing to love someone as a son or a daughter. It's freely choosing to provide for their needs daily. Freely choosing to be responsible for them. It's freely choosing to care for them through their ups and downs, whatever's happening in their life. And we understand that, that in this life, we don't get a, pic, a perfect picture of, of what a father is or, or, or what a mother is. We have broken pictures of that. But I think we understand in our mind how it should be. And that is how God cares for us. We were once warring against him. Then he decided, no, I choose you. You are mine. You are my son or you are my daughter. And he loves us and he cares for us and he meets our needs in the same way and the same kind of an access that a son would have to his father we now have to the king of the universe let that sink in adoption is not obligatory God wasn't obligated to adopt us he wasn't obligated to love us there was no obligation on his end it was a free choice that he made out of love and out of grace to us. So we have access to him. Y'all, can, can we just chew on this for a minute? How amazing it is that we went from being enemies of God, warring against him, to him saying, I want you as a son or a daughter. I want to adopt you. I want to, to be close to you. I want to be in proximity with you. He doesn't just tolerate our presence. He actually delights in it. He says, I want you to be close to me. I want you to be near to me. It's not like he saved us and then said, now stay over there. Get away from me. I saved you now. Stay over there. No, God saved us and says, come here. I want to be close to you. I want, I want to wrap my arms around you. I want to care for you as a father cares for his son, as a mother cares for her daughter. And we have a present and a continual need for this presence. We, we have a present and a continual need for his grace. Look at verse 2, the very end, it says, this grace in which we stand. God's grace is the foundation on which we stand. It's the foundation we build our life from. It's the foundation we build our ministry out of. It's the foundation we build our families out of. It's God's grace. Everything that we do should flow from the foundation that God loves me, he has accepted me, he has declared me righteous in his court because of Jesus. It's not something that we move past. 
A lot of people think of God's grace as like a door, like we enter it and then we're through, we're past. But God's grace is really more like a boat. It's something that we enter and then it takes us to our final destination. We need to, we need to constantly be in God's presence to receive his grace so that we can be blessed by him. And the blessing is his presence with us, that we have access to God, that we're no longer separated from him, we're no longer enemies with him, but we have access to him as a father. And it's the only sure foundation, right? We put our trust in a lot of things. And a lot of those things that we put our trust in, we put our hope in, end up failing us. They end up hurting us. They end up leaving us broken and alone. But God's grace and his love is the only foundation that we can put our trust in and we know it will stand firm. No matter what storms come our way, we will stand firm if our foundation is God's love for us and his, his care for us, his declaring us righteous. Because it's a definite thing that happened that will never be taken away, that can never be changed. And it's a source for strength. If, you, if you're asking, how do I have strength to fight temptation? How do I have strength to keep going on? How can I keep moving forward even though it's hard? The answer is access. We have access to God's grace. We have access to God's presence. That's how we get strengthened. That's how we keep moving forward even though it's hard. That's how we say no to sin and yes to righteousness. It's by God's grace and his presence. And we need that access daily in order to keep standing. It's not like this thing that happened 10 years ago that was cool and it will keep holding me forever. We need to constantly keep going back to the well to drink the water of life, to be in God's presence and be and, and take advantage of the access that he has given us. And God's grace is where we find our future hope too. The end of the very last part of verse two, it says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We don't have to worry about falling down because we are not the foundation that is holding us up. It's God's grace. We can have a sure hope that no matter what happens in this life, we have been declared right by God through Jesus. Y'all, it doesn't matter who is the president. It doesn't matter what disease or famine there is. It doesn't matter how high the bills are stacking up. We have an eternal hope that God has declared us righteous, that we will be saved. This gives us hope for today, that we don't have to worry about our life because we know what the end of the story is, right? We don't have to wonder what's going to happen because God has already told us what's going to happen. We will be saved. He has declared us righteous, saved, loved, daughter, son. He cares for us.
And this is a truth that we should rejoice in. It says to, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We should triumph in it. This should drive us to worship, knowing that we were once enemies. We were far, and God has brought us near. He has declared us righteous. This should, this should cause our emotions to rise, to get excited and say, God, you are so good. You are so merciful to me. It should, it should, it should drive us to worship. And then we have a final hope that we will see God's glory. That no matter what is happening in this life, no matter what craziness is going on, we know our final destination is that we will see God's glory. We will experience his presence fully because of his grace. And so the third, the third and the final blessing that we receive because we have been justified can be found in verse 3 and 4. Is that we receive hope and suffering. Let's read those verses. It says, And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. The fact that we are justified, the fact that God has declared us righteous, gives us hope for today in our suffering. Because we know that it is not necessarily punishment. A lot of times when people are suffering, they ask the question, is God punishing me? Is he mad at me? Am I getting what I deserve by this suffering? What justification says, the fact that we've been declared righteous, it says that Jesus has already paid for the consequences of our sin. It's already been paid for. This is not necessarily God's wrath on you. The second thing that we see is that suffering is not for nothing. It's not wasted. It's not some random thing. It's not meaningless. We see all throughout the Bible that God uses what was meant for evil for good. He takes what is evil reshapes it and turns it into something good. God doesn't waste our suffering. He uses it to produce hope and to produce character in us. So when the bills pile up, when you lose your job, when the car breaks down, when your child dies, when your spouse leaves you, when you're picked on at school, it is not wasted. It is not for nothing that you are suffering this, these things. God is working in you. He is shaping your character and he is ultimately producing hope in you through your suffering. It's not for nothing. It's not meaningless. I promise you. And suffering can help us Hope in his very real presence today. What, what father do you know that when his child comes running up to him weeping, saying, they hurt me, does not wrap his arms around that child and say, son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. I care for you. Let me protect you. Let me comfort you. Let me give you peace. 
This is how God looks at us, as a son or a daughter in whom he is well pleased. So our suffering is not for nothing. It helps us to experience his presence in a very real and tangible way that we can go before God on our knees and cry and weep and say, God, why is this happening to me? Can you give me comfort? Can you give me peace? Because I need it right now. And he will answer. He will come and he will meet us in our suffering. And then we finally, we can receive hope in his final return. Suffering can remind us that this world is broken. That this world is not our final home. It's not our final destination. It points us to the future hope that we have in Jesus, that one day he will return and he will make all things right again. All things that are broken, he will make it new. He will renew it and fix it. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. All of our sorrow, all of our pain, all of our guilt will be gone. We will have real, true relationship with God. This is our final hope. So when we're suffering, when we're suffering, we know that it is not for nothing. That God is using it to produce character in us. That in suffering we can experience a real and a true, the real and true presence of God. And that we can hope in his return no matter what is happening. And here's the last part. Verse 5, it says, we experience hope through the presence of the Holy Spirit. It says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This phrase poured out is like shed, like as in blood. This, This love, God's love, has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's been shed It's like this picture of of grace and love just showering down on us. It's this imagery of intense, costly love. The love that would drive someone to go to a cross for us, for our sins. We have access to God's presence through the Holy Spirit. And this presence assures us of God's love and reminds us of his presence no matter what the circumstances are in this life. A lot of times in the New Testament, it talks about the Holy Spirit as a down payment of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is proof that God is serious when he says we have a future blessing to look forward to. We get a taste of that future blessing today, right now, through the real presence of the Holy Spirit. So let's not leave this blessing on the table. Let's lean in. God has given us access to Himself. Let's not leave that on the table. Let's go and be near. Go into his presence. Because his presence is the ultimate blessing that we have. It's the ultimate thing we have to look forward to. 
It's what will hold us and keep us and strengthen us for the journey today. And so, so let's think about how we can obey what we've learned this morning. I think that no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter what vocation you have, that, that's just a fancy word for like, air, for like um, role you have in life. Whether you're a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a college student, an employee, whatever you are, wherever you're, you're, you find yourself today, there is always an element of suffering in that. And the reason is because we are broken people. We are sinful people. And we're surrounded by sinful people. And sinful people hurt each other. So there's always an element of suffering no matter what vocation you find yourself in. Know that God is not wasting it. Know that it's not for nothing. You can have hope in the midst of whatever suffering you are going through right now. You can have hope knowing that God is producing character in you. That God is producing hope in you. That God wants you to experience his real tangible presence today in the midst of your suffering. And sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes it takes suffering for us to realize how beautiful God's presence is, right? Sometimes when life is going real good, it's easy to forget how beautiful it is sitting in the presence of God. But in those, in those moments when you're weak, in those moments when you're frail, in those moments when you're broken, you can remember how beautiful it is sitting in the presence of a God who loves you, who cares for you, who adopted you, and who has paid the consequences of your sin. So, a practice that, that has kind of been lost in, in the last couple hundred years in the church, but I think is, is a, a, has been a powerful one for, in my life, is seeking God's presence through silence and solitude. It's so easy to distract ourselves in the, in the, in the world that we live in with technology all around us, and for me, distractions are an easy out to not deal with the issues that are going on in my heart. Like, I, have, I might have anger or frustration in my heart. I might have hurt or pain. And it's easy to just get on my phone and distract myself for a couple hours so I don't have to deal with the issues that are going on in my heart. But silence and solitude, seeking God's presence in that, helps, us, helps bring those things to the forefront. And helps God deal with the issues in our heart in a real tangible way. He begins to heal the broken parts. Jesus would often, in the middle of his ministry, get away from his disciples by himself to pray and to listen. And all throughout the Psalms, if you read them, there's, there's commands to get away and be silent, to wait on the Lord. Psalm 37.7 says, be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Why do we wait? Because he will come. We should wait expectantly on him. Because he loves us. He cares for us. He has already demonstrated that to us in the past. So let's wait on him because he will come. 
Psalm 25, 5 says, you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Psalm 62, 5 says, rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from him. So it doesn't have to be long, 10, 15, 30 minutes, whatever your schedule allows. Sit alone in silence and listen. Say, God, I'm here. I don't know what you want to say. I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm here. I'm in your presence. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting on you. And I promise you, God will show himself to you. The God's presence will meet you in a tangible way that you will feel and experience the joy of the Holy Spirit. And if we're not doing this, when when we don't seek his presence, we're actually leaving some of the blessings of our salvation on the table. God has tangible blessings for us today to experience. Let's not leave it on the table. Let's go and take those blessings, enjoy them to the glory of God. And let's receive joy from his presence, no matter what the circumstances of our life are. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that you care for us, that you have adopted us, that you chose to love us when we were unlovable, that you want us to draw near to you, to be in your presence. You delight in us being near you. Thank you that no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter what suffering we're going through, that you are with us, that you are present in a real and a tangible way. God, I pray that that we would not leave your blessings on the table, that we would would reach out and we we would know that no matter what's happening, we have peace with God. No matter what yesterday looked like, no matter what tomorrow will look like, we have peace with God. It's final. We have been given access to God. And we have hope in suffering. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.